Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at IASLC.org in the news section. Hi, I'm Dave Mesco, Chief Executive Officer at the IASLC. Welcome to a special edition of Lung Cancer Considered, where I'll be having conversations with the three candidates running for the position of IASLC President-Elect. Now we are joined by Dr. Pase Yene. Dr. Yene is a translational thoracic medical oncologist at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. He is also the director of the Lowe Center for Thoracic Oncology and the director of the Belfer Center for Applied Cancer Sciences. Dr. Yene's research combines laboratory-based studies with translational research and clinical trials of novel therapeutic agents in patients with lung cancer. His main research interest centers around understanding and translating the therapeutic importance of oncogenic alterations in lung cancer. He has made seminal therapeutic discoveries, including being one of the co-discoverers of EGFR mutations, and his work has led to the development of several clinical trials. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Yene. My pleasure. Glad to be here. So let's jump into it. And let me start by asking, what led you to focus on lung cancer? Yeah, it, w- it wasn't the, that there was this great master plan. Um, I uh, trained as an MD-PhD at the University of Pennsylvania and focusing on human genetics, uh, nothing to do with cancer. And at the end of that training, I really decided that I wanted to focus my career in oncology. I thought the cancer is an area of medicine where genetics would have a greater impact in the care of patients in contrast to, for example, at least at that time in neurology or cardiology. When I came and and, then trained in uh, medical oncology, um, I really enjoyed the clinical care of patients uh, uh, with lung cancer, and I got interested in studying the disease. And and at that time, it really was a disease where our outcomes were quite poor. We treated all the patients in a very similar fashion. And I saw it as an opportunity also uh, to potentially do something in a disease that was so common and where uh, outcomes in general uh, were not that great. And I think the last thing that made me interested in lung cancer was that I found a great mentor, Bruce Johnson, who was my mentor. He was really inspirational. I, uh, we, we hit it off. And I, and I think for all those reasons, uh, uh, is what all those reasons combined drove me to uh, uh, study lung cancer. And, and I haven't looked back. I uh, finished my training in uh, uh, 2001 and have stayed on and as a faculty member at the Dana-Farber ever since focusing on the disease. Thank you, Posse. And, and I'm wondering, you know, based on your training and that rich experience and the relationships with mentors and other key opinion leaders, you know, based on that knowledge and experience, what does that mean for you in terms of what does it reveal regarding the greatest challenges um, facing the field and facing lung cancer and thoracic cancers? Um, and what are your what what are your thoughts to address them? Yeah. So I. I think there are a couple of challenges that, uh, or, that we're certainly faced with today. I think one is that our therapies, even in the best case, are not curative. Uh, lung cancer is often now regarded in 2019 as really the poster child for genotype-directed care and genotype-directed therapy, and there have been wonderful advances in that. But at the same time, it's equally frustrating that uh, despite all those benefits, uh, our patients still die from the disease, even the ones that have the... Uh, uh, types of cancers where we have effective therapies. And I, I think that is a challenge that we need to fix. We need to uh, incorporate uh, existing therapies into earlier stages of disease and 
And, and, and ultimately, we need to develop strategies for fostering and, and, and evaluating combination strategies. And I think that comes at many levels. First is that we need to continue to support preclinical science. And secondly, new and novel clinical trial ideas and concepts to get there. I think the ideas of today, the sequential drug therapy, when drug, one drug stops working and we then figure out the resistance mechanism, move on to the next one, is an okay approach, but I think we can do better. And I think real improvements, we have good examples of real improvements in cancer care, for example, lymphomas or testicular cancers where multi-agent chemotherapies are being used and patients can be cured with those diseases. Or uh, other diseases such as HIV. Nobody today diagnosed with HIV starts out with a single drug and then we figure out what next single drug to go to. It's all about combinations and the outcomes are dramatic for uh, somebody who gets diagnosed today. At the same time, we need to also encourage patients to participate in clinical trials as that is really the only way we can improve therapies. And unfortunately, only the minority of patients in the U.S. and worldwide participate in clinical trials. And so I think we need to support novel clinical trial concepts, support uh, uh, innovative preclinical science, uh, and work with our colleagues in the pharmaceutical industry to get there. I think these are all strategies that will help, help get us to the next level of therapies uh, where I think we need to be. I think another challenge, again, related to this topic is that there's really a lack of systemic molecular profiling of all patients at the time of diagnosis and at the time of drug resistance. And we know from, uh, from prior studies that patients live longer who get genotype-directed therapy, where we match the therapy to unique aspects of their cancer. And this is, of course, available in many, many big centers, but it's not available everywhere to every patient. And, and, and it's something that we need to educate our, our doctors and patients about it, um, something that the, the ISLC can champion as an organization, demonstrating the importance and providing examples as to why it matters. Uh, we want to, as I mentioned, ed educate physicians, but we also want to educate patients. We want to empower patients to ask about molecular profiling, make sure that is that an appropriate thing uh, for them uh, or not at the time of uh, their diagnosis or at the time of uh, developing uh, resistance to, uh, to therapy. So these are a few examples of things where I think we, we, we need to go because I think in general, these are strategies that will hopefully lead to improved outcomes of all of our patients uh, who get diagnosed with lung cancer today. Thank you, Dr. Yenne, for sharing your views on those challenges and, and also, you know, the strategies for addressing those challenges. And let me shift to IASLC. And if you could share with our audience, you know, your qualifications to serve as president of the IASLC and how do you think IASLC um, can, can lean into those challenges um, based on your leadership um, and the opportunity of the organization. Sure. I come to this as both as a scientist and a physician. And, uh, uh, and I think as such, I, I can bridge and bring together both, uh, uh, both scientists and physicians uh, who work in lung cancer. I certainly understand firsthand how scientific research and discovery can impact clinical care of patients and the importance of that in the lung cancer world. Um, as mentioned earlier, I was part of the team that helped discover EGFR mutations that have been a uh, uh, really helped sort of catalyze uh, personalized medicine for lung cancer. Our lab has also identified med amplifications as a targetable resistance therapy in EGFR mutant cancer. Me and my colleagues helped identify first mutant selective EGFR inhibitor capable of overcoming a common resistance mechanism, which subsequently inspired clinical development of this class of agents, uh, including osimertinib. At the same time, I recognize the importance of clinical research and clinical trials. This is the only way we get new therapies approved and 
through this process, I've, I've learned to interact with and appreciate the importance of biotech companies, pharmaceutical companies, as well as the regulatory agencies that are so critical in this process. And, I, and, and, as, and, and as part of that, I've had the opportunity to lead several types of clinical trials, including early phase trials, phase three trials, investigator initiative trials, and I've developed an appreciation, a sense of what kinds of questions are possible in the clinic and what are not in a clinical trial, which is very different than is possible in the laboratory. And, and I think through these experiences, I understand the needs of and can engage a wide variety of individuals, including healthcare providers or doctors, nurses, researchers, basic and translational scientists, patients, family members, funders, members of the regulatory agencies. We need them all at the table to help improve outcomes for patients with thoracic malignancies. And I think based on my experience, I'm uniquely qualified to bring them to that table, to have the conversations and to move the field forward. At the same time, I've had experience as a leader, and, and, and uh, both in, uh, uh, locally and, and nationally. At the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, I lead the Thoracic Oncology Program, which I've done since 2013. And as a leader, I'm responsible and overseeing for a group of 70 employees, including 14 physicians, nine research nurses or, or, or RNs, fellows, administrators, project managers, clinical research coordinators, and research data specialists. And I help coordinate uh, the overall vision and scientific direction of the program including laboratory-based research, clinical research, and education. And at the same time, I also have fiscal responsibility for the program by raising funds to support the activities of our center and, and, and through directing how these are spent to grow the program and help further, uh, further its vision and mission. I also direct my own laboratory of 15 members, including several postdoctoral fellows, scientists, and research technicians. And as part of that, I have been successful in obtaining funding from multiple sources, including from the NIH, Cancer Foundations, uh, sponsored research and from philanthropy. And, and fortunately, many of the scientific discoveries that we've been involved in have been translated into the clinic and some have uh, uh, been successful in, in changed the standard of care for patients with lung cancer. And finally, I helped direct a center of 25 employees, the Belfer Center for Applied Cancer Sciences, which works with laboratory scientists and clinical investigators, as well as pharmaceutical companies, to further develop scientific and clinical discoveries for clinical benefit. And through all of these leadership positions, I think I'm well positioned take on the, the, the position of president-elect uh, and ultimately president of the ISLC. Outside of DFCI, I've had some other leadership positions, including chairing scientific and grant review committees, leading international clinical trials, co-leading the Stand Up to Cancer KRS Lung Cancer Dream Team, Dream Team and co-chairing planning conferences, all of which I think are important uh, leadership experiences that are required for these positions. And I think all of these have really prepared me for the position of ISLC president, and in this position, I will continue to work with healthcare providers, scientists, patients, advocates, and the pharmaceutical industry to further the mission of the organization. Thank you for the, those remarks, and and thank you for your, of course, service to the to the field and to patients, and importantly to the IASLC um, in in your prior roles and so forth. I wonder, shifting, you you touched on the importance of the multidisciplinary team um, in in your answer. And an important function and, and role and part of our history is, of IASLC is a commitment to being a multidisciplinary organization, but also importantly, an international organization. And I wonder if you could expand further about, as a president-elect, how you would work to ensure, maintain, and advance ISLC's commitment um, to being multidisciplinary and to being an international organization. Sure. Uh, lung cancer and other thoracic malignancies impact people from all over the world. Um, and as such, we need to make sure that the work of the ISLC has global representation 
and at the same time reaches all over the world, not just the select parts of the world. And I think this includes conferences and workshops, memberships on our committees and on the board of directors, uh, having representation from people from all over the world. And at the same time, we need to support initiatives, including grant funding, helping with uh, uh, regulatory support or uh, clinical trial support from all over the all over the world, because this is a disease that affects all of us. And I think we need to we need to be there um, for all of our members around the world to help them and, and help take care of and, and improve the lives of their patients. As you mentioned, it certainly continues to be a multidisciplinary specialty, and, and, and we are increasingly asking uh, for help from our uh, surgical colleagues, for example, and radiation colleagues, even from patients with advanced disease. Uh, we used to always uh, think of these perhaps that uh, radiation and surgery are restricted only for patients who get di- uh, diagnosed with early stage lung cancer. But more and more, as our systemic therapies are better, uh, we are uh, looking to help uh, from our colleagues in these disciplines uh, for patients with advanced disease, uh, depending on what happens to them, of course, during the uh, time of the treatment. So we need to engage them and and, and make sure that they're involved uh, in those discussions. I think the multidisciplinary nature of the disease also continues to evolve. We now today need experts from immunology to be part of our our multidisciplinary team to better understand who benefits and who does not from immune checkpoint blockade. This is a relatively new field uh, in, in thoracic malignancies but yet at the same time, there are multiple drugs improved and there are uh, incredible outcomes for patients who benefit from these therapies. But we need to bring the experts into, into the table uh, and, and into our group to be able to do that. And again, we can do that through uh, committees and meetings and, and, and supporting that. We also increasingly need specialists from other disciplines that we perhaps didn't think about before. So specialists from dermatology to help best manage and understand skin toxicities from drugs, from endocrinology, renal medicine, and cardiology. Um, Our new generations of therapies are sometimes leading us to new types of side effects or effects on organs that we didn't uh, uh, previously appreciate. And I think we need to engage engage individuals from these disciplines of medicine. uh, And uh, because I think that'll help both guide how we best use those therapies, how do we manage side effects from these therapies, and ultimately uh, that will uh, uh, help help the patients. And so we need to assure that all these individuals continue to be a part of our organization, our committees, and actively participate in, in our meetings and workshops to, uh, to bring forth the best knowledge uh, that can help all of us who are taking care of patients with lung cancer. Thank you for sharing your perspectives with the audience um, around the importance of maintaining our strong tradition of being multidisciplinary and and international. And Dr. Yenne, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing your thoughts and qualifications. My pleasure. Thank you. As a reminder, voting is only available to active IASLC members and ends at 1159 Eastern Time on June 26th. Vote at directvote.net forward slash IASLC. I'm Dave Mesco, and on behalf of all of us at IASLC, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more Lung Cancer Considered podcasts. And please like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues.